Women Taking the Lead, episode 155. Hey everyone, this is Jody Flynn and I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning before we jumped right into the interview. Marie shares a journal um, as a resource in the interview, um, which is really great, but in the title there is a dirty word and she references it a few times. So if you are listening to this episode with your kids, you might want to skip over it from now and come back later when you're alone, but I know how that is. You never want to be surprised um, and have to explain a word that you're not ready to explain to your children. So I hope you enjoy the interview, but make sure you it's at a time when you can listen to it with full enjoyment. Oh man, our time on this earth is short and we need to make it count. We don't have something stamped on the bottom of our foot that tells us the day we're going to die, but none of us are getting out of here alive, right? So make it count, you know, do something you love to do and the money will follow. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Marie Sola. And while working in the television industry, Marie excelled at new business development and relationship building. Her entrepreneurial spirit inspired her to start her own company, Crocker Marketing Incorporated, which led to her creating the New England Emmy-nominated television show, The Main Dish and The Main Kids Show. Following her work in television in the television industry, Marie worked internationally for the premier networking group of more than 20,000 CEOs around the world, Young Presidents Organization. Deciding that she is the best boss she has ever had, Marie took the leap to go back and work for herself, founding Daughters of Change. Combining her love of developing grassroots projects with her passion for social entrepreneurship, Marie's work focuses on businesses with a conscience. Marie, that is fantastic. Fantastic, and it's just a little taste of what you do in the world. So, tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Well, thanks, Jody, um, and thanks everybody who's listening. I'm really happy to be here. Um, and you know, uh, I guess the thing that's always resonated with me my entire life um, is the close connection I've always had with other women, um, and also a lot of the challenges that women face on a day to day basis. Um, so in the back of my mind, I always knew that someday I was going to do something that focused on women, help to give women a voice and help women make change because I really believe that women are going to be big change makers in the world. It doesn't negate what men do. It doesn't mean that men need to go away or that they're not valued too. But I think that giving women a voice um, and bringing women together to enable them to work together to make change is really going to make a big difference in the future. Um, so with that being said, this has always been sort of an undercurrent within my life, very strong female relationships. Um, and so when I started to look down the barrel at 50, I realized that later was now. And that if I were going to take this leap and create something like Daughters of Change, um, I still have a lot of good years in me, but it was time to do that. So I actually took a huge leap a couple of years ago, leaving Young President's organization without another job um, to just say, you know, 
I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make something happen. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm on a train. It's out of the station. I don't know where it's going, but it's going to be a hell of a ride. Probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but I'm here on the other side of that. And I can say it's also the best thing I've ever done. Uh, and it's still a journey. But boy, I wake up every day with a smile on my face, anxious to get started. So if mm -hmm. that, if that, um, you know, if there's anybody else out there that's at that crossroad, I would say, you know, take the jump, take the jump. If you think you're going to regret it on your deathbed, just try it because the worst thing that happens is you try and it doesn't work, but you'll learn so much on the way and it will lead you to where you're supposed to be. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Marie. I mean, that is in essence what it is to be mission driven. Yeah. You know, when the mission is more important than the how or the what it's, it's taking the next step, doing what needs to be done. And, and that's what you did. And, yeah. you know, looking at your bio and hearing what you've been up to, you know, there's this sense of you've always been a mover and a shaker, right? No matter where you were involved, what you were doing, you were making changes, you were, you were contributing your all to wherever you were working. And, you know, you and I had a chance to sit down for coffee. We actually met face to face yeah. at a local networking event about bringing a a women's conference to Maine, which was awesome. And you just exude this self-assurance and this confidence and, you know, and you, you'll even say like, I don't know how it's all going to happen, but I'm doing it, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that, that is confidence. Confidence isn't knowing how everything is going to turn out. It's, it's having the trust in yourself that whatever, whatever comes at you, you'll be able to handle it. You'll be able to respond to it, you know, so that you have this really great energy about you. And before we go into all of the great things you have going on, with Daughters of Change and in your life, I, I always like to kind of level the playing field um, with our guests and our listeners mm -hmm. because something we can all relate to is those playing small moments, those moments when we didn't realize our full value. And oftentimes I say it's in retrospect. We look back and go, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, I, I, I settled that that yeah. I didn't think I could do more. So, Marie, if you don't mind, take us back to a time when you were playing small and share with us that story and the lessons you've learned? Let's see. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And boy, there've been a lot of those times, Jody, over the years. Um, and I think that, uh, so here's something that was really interesting that started the conversation and, and ended up being so much greater um, than really myself or anybody involved. Um, back in, I think it was 2001, I, was doing some project work along with my Crocker marketing. I would take on um, clients and uh, I was working with the main brewers guild and trying to come up with some ideas for PR. And, you know, at that time it just seemed like it was going to be okay. You know, what is it that they really want to do? And are we, you know, what, what can this grow into and how can I really kind of make a difference with this? And unfortunately uh, at that time, nine 11 happened. Um, and I actually was, working at uh, the TV station, they were one of my clients, and I, I actually watched the plane drive into the towers and had a really big effect on me. Um, and so over uh, pizza and beer with, um, with uh, Mark Persky, I don't know if, if you remember from WBLM, we were talking about, I wanted to do something for the guild, and, and that grew into, well, we really wanted to do something at ground zero. We wanted to help the guys and the ladies working on the pile, right, and the firefighters down there. 
So what started as a conversation, um, feeling sort of like, well, what, what can I really do for these guys, you know, and ladies, um, grew into, well, let's, let's bring lobster and microbrew beer down to the pile and, and let's find a place to have it and let's feed these guys, right? So that, and what ended up coming out of that was the United Maine Lobster Feed. And I just started picking up the phone and calling people and saying, hey, you know, first call was to the head of the United Steelworkers Union in New York City. This guy didn't know me from Adam. He was pretty busy being on TV with, you know, George Bush and, and everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just called him and I go, you don't know me, but I have a great idea. I want to, you know, call me back. And he actually called me back. And within, you know, a half hour conversation, I had a place to hold the United Maine lobster feed. Um, I had, uh, you know, his blessing. He was going to help me out. And then I just started making phone calls. And the next thing you know, we had 1,100 pounds of lobster. We had a TV station coming down with us to do an entire series. I had Mark Persky from BLM coming down and doing live cut-ins. I had a bunch of the main uh, brewers coming down and bringing beer. Tim Sample came with us to to entertain people. Um, and it was probably, it no, hands down, it was up until now, one of the, the most life-changing experiences. We got down there um, and they didn't believe it. Like we'd had a convoy going down. I'm, there were so many people that got involved here from Maine. And we had a whole convoy that went down. We had to be escorted into the city. And, um, you know, we, we fed the firefighters. We fed the steel workers. I mean, these people were coming in. They had been through war, really. Um, the look on their faces and, the, you know, the dirt on their faces coming in. Um, they pulled the last six bodies out while we were there. And it was just, it was unbelievable. We were literally right down there um, around the corner. And what we were able to do was just offer some support and bring a little bit of light into people's lives for that 24-hour period. And I got letters for years afterwards from people that came to that. So that's something that started with me going, well, what, you know, what am I really going to bring to the table here? Mm. And then just, a, it grew. And, and at the time I was a little, um, I was not as self-confident about what I was going to bring to the table, you know? Mm. And so it was a matter of, again, coming up to something that had a purpose, maybe a little bit bigger than just myself, um, actually a whole lot bigger than myself and then bringing people to rally around it. Um, you know, so that's one example. And, uh, you know, another example would be starting in television in the eighties. Like, I don't know if you, anybody out there has seen Anchorman. I mean, I know that was the seventies, but it, <laughs> it was definitely interesting. Um, and, you know, coming in as this like young girl, all idealistic about what I was going to do and, and knowing nothing and having to really fight against, um, the stereotype and the reality of what it meant to be a young woman in a male dominated field. Um, and, and I think that's where I cut my teeth, Jody. And I think that that's where you see some of my confidence coming from because, um, you know, I, I was in the trenches, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you know, what I really appreciate about both of these stories, Marie, is both of these moments of, of gaining confidence, gaining clarity, um, and going after something really came during a time of challenge. Like yeah. before 9-11, I mean, you were doing good work, but it was kind of like ho-hum, you were doing okay, yeah. it was all fine. And then this enormous thing happened, and your first thought is like, 
what can I do about it? You know, yeah. like that thought of like, I'm only one person. I'm, I'm this woman in Maine. You know, what, what can I do up against this enormous tragedy that has just happened? And out of that came any little thing you can do is enormous and has a great impact. Like what, what an opportunity. I mean, it's, it's sad, but it's true that it's oftentimes when tragedy strikes, when something awful happens that we really see who we are and what we're really capable of. And in, in a sense, those times and those moments are gifts to us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was, that was mind blowing to me. And you know, the other thing that hit me with that in terms of I, you know, I'm just thinking of this as we're talking, um, being down, they actually brought us down to, um, to ground zero because we were right around the corner and I was standing there and I was looking up, I think it was like the American express building that had been like, it didn't go down, but it had been hit when the tower went down. So it was like, looks like somebody took a, just a can opener, um, and wrenched open the side of the building. And as I'm standing there looking up, these papers, like eight, you know, eight and a half, whatever, you know, standard mm-hmm. white paper comes floating out of the window. And I looked at that and I realized people were at their desks. They were at work mm-hmm. and tragedy struck. And it hit me right then and there that I was not going to do something I didn't really want to do for work. Like it just hit me like a fuck. Can you imagine if like I were in my cubicle and I was hating what I was doing and this is how my life ended. And that was an analogy for me. It's not like I thought that any building I was in that was going to happen. It was just the analogy of, oh my God, like you got to make your time count. And, and we spend so much of our time at work and it becomes so much of who we are and how we identify ourselves. To me, if you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't have to be what I do. You know, it just so long as you're passionate about it and you love it, that's what you should be doing. You should look at, I, I went through a core themes course, which was fabulous before I left my job. And, and what I realized was that my core themes in life also were the same things I was looking for in a job. It transcended personal as well as professional. So none of us will be surprised, but what our core themes are, I think if you sat down and really thought like, these are things that are important to me and it could be, you know, I want to live in Maine or I, you know, I want to be able to spend time with my kids, whatever those things are, that is going to impact your professional life. And they should, they should gel, they should match. And if you write down those core themes, spend some time, nothing's going to surprise you. It's all in there. You're going to write it down and go, yeah, I knew that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that to be able to, it was just so impactful for me at that moment, you know, sort of jumping around here, but to see those papers flutter out that window and it just hit me like, oh man, our time on this earth is short and we need to make it count. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have something stamped on the bottom of our foot that tells us the day we're going to die, but none of us are getting out of here alive. Right. So (laughs) make it count, you know, do Mm -hmm. something you love to do and the money will follow. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you hear so many people talk about that and we can definitely come back to this, but when you're doing something you're good at, mm-hmm. when you're doing something you're professional, you know, you're, you're skilled at and you're passionate about, there is a way to figure out how to make money doing it. That's you know, right. 
you know, it can, it can be done. And Marie, I also want to segue into, cause you, you had a lot of wake up calls around that, yeah. but I, yeah, but you know, and it was like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. But I want to, um, kind of zero in on another wake up call you had. Cause I know there's, there's another, you want to share, you know, the, those moments when it suddenly hits you that like, you need to go in a different direction or yeah. it's it's the solution you've been looking for. So share with us that moment and the steps you took that led to your success. That's a great question as well. So I had been um, antsy, I would say, for a, a while um, within my job. It was a great job. I just, it wasn't anything particular about the job other than I knew that I, something was missing for me. And I finally identified it that it didn't matter. Like that was YPO was such a great job on so many levels. Like people couldn't believe that I left it. And, um, but what hit me is that I was working for other people's passion and that I had always my whole life worked for other people's passions, other people's pocketbooks. Um, and that, you know, I'm either going to go out and retire that way, or I'm going to do something. And so, uh, I remember it just hitting me clearly. And the more and more that I would read about, um, about women's issues, which I've always been so passionate about, the more I knew that that was the direction I wanted to take. But I also knew that um, from working through my core themes, that was something I started to do um, going through that whole program when I knew that I was getting ready to take the leap. Um, and I, I kind of got through the program and um, the gentleman running it, Ray Inglacy, said to me, I've taken you to the cliff, but I can't make you jump, you know? And <laughs> And so I had this, you know, I'd always, I'd been a single mom for years. I was always very responsible with 401k, but I've always been a risk taker, you know, and I've always been a little bit of a cowgirl. So I said, you know, I, I, I read, I read a lot of Paulo Coelho who just, his books were really um, inspiring to me. And I just realized one day, I think what hit me is I was getting ready to quit. I knew I had to do it. And I knew that I could not take another job on the other side. Because if I did, I'd just why leave? You know what I mean? I'd be back in the same thing where I wouldn't have the time to really figure things out. So I had to make a conscious um, decision that everything was on the table. My 401k was on the table. Um, my savings were on the table, that it was going to take me some time to figure this out because what I had was an abstract idea, you know, but I didn't, it wasn't like I was jarring spaghetti sauce or something and there was a business model out there. Right. So, um, it, it I had to get past that initial fear of jumping into the abyss without a parachute. And one day, um, my son who was in high school at the time, um, he was having a hard time and I walked in and I said, you know, what's going on? And he was you know, somebody was giving him a hard time at school. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And he said, because you're always working. And, you know, I get choked up even thinking about this. And it, it really hit me. I said, you know, that's it. And I quit that day. I called <laughs> up and I quit. And I said, you know, I need to be able, I have to have autonomy. I need to be able to control my own time. I need to be working for something that's a bigger passion. Um, that's my passion. Because I'm doing all this work and people love my work and they tell me I'm good at it. But at the end of the day, what am I getting from it? You know, besides a paycheck, which, hey, you know, a girl's got to eat. But right. I, I, you know, I said, I don't care if I have to, you know, go work at the local gas station or bartend or something like that to make ends meet. I'm going to do this, damn it. And, and if I spend my 401k, I'll recoup it because the idea is to break my glass ceiling as well. Right. So um, it was kind of a series of things. 
Yeah. And yeah. you know, I really, I, what I really appreciate about that story is it, it went right back to your core themes, yeah. like be, being there for your family, ha- having time to like enjoy your kids while they're growing up, right. Yeah. Yeah. While, they, yeah. while they're under your care, yeah. you know, and it, it all ties together. And I think, you know, you and I were chatting um, before we hit record about how you can get something conceptually, but until you feel it in your bones, it doesn't matter that you know something. That's right. You're, you, you won't always live by it. But those are the moments where, you know, the conceptual understanding of your core themes like resonates in your bones, yeah. like, oh, here's that moment we were talking about, I need to leave my job. Like that was the thing that got you to jump over the cliff. Yeah. So, you know, and this is a great segue because I know that our core themes, our core values also drive our leadership style. And we have different themes and we have different values and skill sets and experiences. So we all lead a little bit differently. And I think that's awesome. I think we do need diverse and dynamic leaders in all areas of our life. So Marie, how would you describe your leadership style? Oh, well, I, you know, that's something that I learned. Uh, I learned my leadership style by working for other people and picking up what I liked and I didn't like. And what I very strongly believe in um, is that you there's a couple of things. First of all, you have to empower the people that are working for you or, or with you. You need to inspire them. And to me, that's what leading is about. It's about inspiring and getting the best out of people. Everybody has their own specific talents and things that they're good at. And you want to help bring that out, right? So I think it's very important to give people a voice in what they're doing, to ask them what they like to do. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Don't try to force somebody to do something they don't like or they're not good at because it's not going to work for anybody. So I really, um, I'm very collaborative with the people that I work with. I like to say they work with me as opposed to for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in giving them um, not just the ability to, to collaborate, but also give them the power to make decisions and do things. And I'm not, I am, I hate micromanagement. I don't think it's good for anybody. I think micromanaging, micromanaging is about fear and control. Um, And it's not that people do it because they're mean. I think that they're afraid to let go. So -hmm. you have to make sure that you, you give your full trust in somebody that is working with you or for you. And if they, if they make a mistake, you need to talk to them about it, you know, and if somebody is divisive on your team, you need to consider being able to get rid of somebody that's that's just not bringing the right attitude to the team um, because that can that can fester. But I think that um, it's really about giving people some autonomy, giving them skin in the game, um, giving them a voice and empowering them. And people will be loyal to you when you do that. Um, they will work harder for you when you do that. And the other thing that I would, that I've seen a lot of over the years is that, um, people, it's ego. You've got to take your ego out of it because, and that's easier said than done, right? Cause we all have an ego. Nobody does not have an ego, you know, except for maybe Jesus Christ. I don't know, but most of us have an ego. <laughs> so it, there's always that fear. Sometimes if you have somebody that's working for you, that they're going to outshine you. Never worry about that. If somebody is working for you and they do a great job, that makes you look good because you're so smart for hiring them, right? And you're getting the best out of them. So really give people voice in what they're doing. Ask them what they like to do. Ask for their input. Consider Respect their input. 
But don't be afraid to put your foot down when you need to. And I think the hardest thing for women is firing somebody. That's the hardest thing I've ever had to do is fire somebody. Yeah. And you, you alluded to that a little bit earlier. And the thought that came to my mind was if somebody's that divisive or they're yeah. so under underperforming after you've yeah. had several conversations and supported yeah. them, like always coming from a place of caring and That's wanting right. to be supportive of them, but they're still not performing or they're still yeah. being divisive. You're actually doing them a favor. That's right. You That's know, right. because what I found is usually they're not happy with the job, but they can't bring themselves to quit. So you, and I've had that happen. I couldn't mm -hmm. bring myself to quit a yep. job. Not that I was underperforming or divisive, but I was clearly starting to check out. And luckily we started going through some acquisitions and our jobs were outsourced. So essentially, you know, I wasn't fired for underperformance. It was more of a business decision, but I was like, thank you. Cause yeah. I could not bring myself to quit, even though I was miserable. And the flip side of that is you're taking care of the other people you work with. That's right. By firing a person who's not working out because that person is creating an unpleasant work environment yeah. for everyone else. You know, so as women, I think we can, it's easier for us to think in those terms mm. of I'm taking care of everybody. That's right. By not allowing this person to have a negative impact on everybody. That's right. And, and Marie, that, what I'm really curious about, because you're two years into Daughters of Change, mm -hmm. you have a lot going on. I and I know that from our conversation. <laughs> what, would, what would you say is the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced with right now? I think my, my biggest challenge has been um, the fact that what I'm doing is I'm creating something completely new that there isn't a specific business model for. Um, so I've had, it's, it's been trial and error and, 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 um, you know, I, I use the example of spaghetti sauce because I'm Italian and I love to cook. Right. But if I had a product, for instance, that I were, um, bringing to the market, I could go online. I could get a mentor. It would be pretty easy for somebody to help guide me. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, please. I'm not saying that for people that bring a product to market, it's not a lot of work, but there's a, there's a pretty concrete series of steps that you need to take to get there. With Daughters of Change, it was, it grew, it's growing from an abstract idea of being a platform to give women who want to make change a voice. While also for me, being a daughter of change, um, myself, is helping with violence against women because that's my hot button. So being able to take that sort of abstract idea and bring it into a business model has been my biggest challenge. Now it's starting to happen. And interestingly enough, Jody, I'm ending right back into my sweet spot, which is what I've done for years, which is marketing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's interesting how it, it turned out. It was kind of right in front of me, but I had to go through that series. So my biggest challenge has been defining and also, and I, I think for all, all the other uh, entrepreneurs out there listening, um, you have really big ideas and you have a lot of great ideas and there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of steps and I can see it going here and I can see it going there. So focusing in on what you need to do first, because you can't do everything. It's really easy to get scattered when you're a very creative person with big ideas. So it's about sort of picking out the, the nuggets and what's going to move you ahead most quickly, focusing on that. And then I have a book, um, it has a swear word on it. Can I say what it says, Jody? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. It's this beautiful, it's a beautiful um, journal and it says fucking brilliant on it and it's filigree. And that is my fucking brilliant book. So every time I have an idea that I am not, that I can't put 
into play right now, I put it in that book and it's my Bible. So it doesn't go away. I just put it down for like phase two or phase three. So to be able to focus in um, and figure out the steps you need to take to, to move yourself forward and concentrate on them first um, while still being creative, that's really, that's that's been challenging. And then defining it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as a service-based business, the number one thing you have to do, and it's the hardest thing to do, is to make your idea very concrete, very tangible, mm -hmm. because, you know, we're all human beings and we we have a hard time, you know, um, wrapping our minds around anything that's vague or a complex. That's right. So bringing it down, making it simple. We were actually talking about this in the private Facebook group I have uh, as well about, you know, a woman was saying how she had a hard time explaining one of her products until she was chatting about it with her daughter, who's eight years old, and her daughter helped her. <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And making, making it that concrete and yeah. simple. Because even though most of us are older than eight, we still think in, in those terms. We still want it. We're so, it's not that we're not capable of complex and vague concepts. It's just, we're all so busy yeah. and so distracted that really our attention span is probably that of an eight-year-old most days. So absolutely, absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, what's the one thing you're working on that you're really excited about? Well, right now, which is, I was saying before I kind of came back to my sweet spot. So as I was sort of going in another direction with Daughters of Change um, and trying to wrap my head around it, I decided I was going to put a project together. Um, the project has ended up being the business model for Daughters of Change, which is very interesting. So what I'm right now, what I'm doing here in my own backyard in Maine, I wanted to start at home. Um, I am doing uh, what is probably what we, we figure without... I don't have all the stats on this, but from what I've been told, it's going to be the largest public awareness and education campaign about domestic violence in the state of Maine that's ever been done. Um, and what it what the premise is, um, I'm working with the Maine Coalition to End Domestic Violence. They're the experts in the state around that um, subject matter. So they're providing me with the messaging because they're the experts, not me. So I've gone to them and said, what, what, what's the message you need to get out here in the state? Um, so with that, we'll be talking about engaging men and actually how to use the services in the hotline. There's a lot of sort of misnomer about how you can use the hotline. So that needs, that's going to save lives. Um, and then I've partnered with two television stations here, uh, WGME TV, Channel 13 in Portland, and WABI Television in Bangor. And they are really throwing a lot of resources behind it. And right now I'm looking for four businesses uh, as sponsor partners. And I'm so excited about this because we really have the opportunity to save lives and get messaging out, um, ab out and around domestic violence in the state of Maine. So uh, this is the first uh, foray. And I have, um, I have since then, as I've started this, I have a strategic partner that wants to help me roll this, uh, these campaigns like this out around the country. So uh, yeah, Daughters of Change ended back right back up in my sweet spot, didn't it? But uh, it yeah. always comes around, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Always comes back. You, yeah. No time in your career, your profession, is yeah. there any wasted time? It always contributes to it's, the next step. Exactly. And the campaign just is called Take Action Maine. So the Take Act, I have the URLs for Take Action all across the country. So there will be more of these Take Action campaigns. They may not always deal with domestic violence. Um, they'll always be about supporting women. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah. I love that. That's Marie. phase one. Phase one, Jody. I, I, the rest yep. in my, the rest in my fucking brilliant book, journal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, you know, it goes back to what you said. Like, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of different directions you can go in, but you have to focus on what's the first phase, That's exactly you know, and worry about phase five you know, a little bit later, you'll, yeah. you'll get to that. And the other thing is you mentioned your strategic partner. Um, I'm always curious, um, for the women that I bring on and I, I'm, I have as guests in chatting with them, they're always doing these crazy, awesome things out in the world, but kind of the story behind the story is the support system, the people yeah. in their lives who make it possible for them to do the work that they're doing, you know, in their personal lives and yeah. as a part of their team. So Marie, if you don't mind just giving us a quick overview of, of your support team. Okay. So first and foremost has been my fiance. Um, and I've got to tell you, it, I, you have to have a supportive partner if you're in a relationship. Um, because it can, I can't imagine what this would have been like if I didn't have somebody so supportive because I left a, you know, a pretty lucrative job to do this. And it's like, guess what? No more money coming in. And, um, so that has been huge to the point of where I was ready to to just throw in the towel probably four or five months ago and just say, I'm going to just go out and get a job, you know? And he said, don't you dare. Don't you dare. I mean, he had every opportunity right then and there to say to me, yeah, yeah, probably a good yeah. idea. Right. So that's mm -hmm. huge. Number one, number two, I was tra really trying to find a mentor. And because what I, what I'm doing is a double bottle bottom line, it's not your typical, um, you know, here's my business plan. There's a social end to it as well as a, a monetary end. Um, I was having a hard time fitting into um, anything that was available here for entrepreneurs. Um, I did tap in with SCORE, which was great. But what ended up happening is a former boss of mine who's an entrepreneur, um, I'd been talking with him and he realized that I was having a hard time fitting into any specific entrepreneurial programs here. And he said, well, let me mentor you. And in the process of mentoring me, he said, wow, what you're doing is on the side of the angels. This isn't even about money for me. I want to help you. And he is going to be, he, his business was very involved in media and he's helping me to bring this across the country. So awesome. yeah, yeah. So, so he was already in my network. It was somebody that was already in my network that I hadn't even really thought about. So that's another place to look, look within your network. You, you'd be surprised of, of, um, you know, who you might find in there that can be helpful. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Marie, now we're heading into the quick leadership roundup. So in a few words or a sentence, tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? I meditate. I have to tell you, if I do not take time out to gather myself and, and get it together, um, I'm scattered. And so the meditation is huge for me. And the other thing is, sur is surrounding myself with people that are like-minded um, because it's it you can't take somebody along if they're not ready to come along so I'm very careful to when I'm looking for people to work with me um, that they're people that are also not afraid to take risk and then the other I think would be just the fact that I have a lot of high energy and I, re I really love people and I want to inspire them so I think the word that people use about me most is that I'm inspirational and and that was hard to accept because I'm a little bit humble that way but um, I'm not humble about a lot of things, but <laughs> but I would say that the, the, the ability to excite people and inspire them and bring them on is, is probably one of the, the most important things as well. 
And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Wow. Well, I've read a couple of great ones, but um, let's see. What the, well, for me, the one that I really loved was Conscious Capitalism because it talks about, um, you know, being, uh, a, a, it, you know, running a business, but running a business with a purpose. And that all ties into what kind of a leader you become and how you treat the people that work for you. So I loved that book. And what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would tell myself that I should have done this like 30 damn years ago, you know, or maybe 20 because I needed some experience, but I, I would have done this sooner. And, um, I, I, I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have agonized over the small stuff, you know, that those things that, that the, um, sort of the typical stuff that we're told, uh, you know, you always have to, you know, you have to have all your ducks in a row. Don't ever leave a job until you have another job. I would say, take the risk, go out there. If there's something you want to do and you know, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. Go for it because you will learn. You will learn through that process and you will come out exactly where you're supposed to be. So take that leap, take that leap and have faith in yourself because women are, women are pretty phenomenal. We're really strong. Have faith in yourself and, and take the risk, take the jump. And share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit, Jody, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's right on top of my, um, my profile, um, my uh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, so so it is by Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, who's the president of Liberia, and the quote is, "If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough." So remember that it's okay to be scared. Walk into your fear. So that's my quote. If your dreams aren't don't scare you, then they're not big enough. That's those are words to live by. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right, Marie. Lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Well, if you go to my Daughters of Change website, and it's a work in progress, but it's looking pretty good. And mm -hmm. figured out, I haven't figured out how to get the the picture smaller, so pardon my big face on there. Um, but it's www.daughtersofchange.com, um, and then you can you can connect with me through that, or you can actually email me at msola, S-O-L-A, at daughtersofchange.com. And for those of you listening, you know you can find all the links and resources uh, for this episode at womentakingthelead.com. If you put Marie in the search bar, her the blog posts accompanying this episode will come right up, which will have a summation of everything she said, along with the links of where you can find her, because I know some of you are going to want to get behind what she has going on. And Marie, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody, and thank you. Thanks, everybody. Go out there and follow your dreams. It's okay. It's the way to go. <laughs> thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. 
Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.